With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's one of the highlights of the pre-Christmas period, as festive as putting up the tree or drinking mulled wine. So in this edition of Anything But Footy, we celebrate. Celebrate Sports Personality of the Year and what a 2019. We'll look back with that clean sweep for cricket, Ben Stokes, team and moment, and round up an emotional lifetime achievement and Helen Rolleston Awards. I'm John. And I'm Michael, and coming up in this episode of Anything But Footy, we'll also bring you the latest views and opinions on the world anti-doping body's decision to exclude Russia from sporting competition for the next four years. There's been development since we last spoke. Plus, we'll tell you where the sporting capital of the world is. And on the subject of geography which I did quite well in, in my A-levels, I must say. We'll explain why Paris 2024 might not exactly mean Paris, or even France, for that matter. If we miss your sport, do tell us at anything but F on Twitter or message us on our website, www.anythingbutfooty.com or message us on Insta and Facebook as well. Subscribe to the podcast as well. And as we head into Olympic and Paralympic year, tell your friends about us. We're the only ones counting down to Tokyo 2020, week in, week out. So on to 2019 and Sports Personality of the Year. One of our particular highlights, Michael, we've talked about it before on the podcast of the end of the year, something we grew up watching on the television and it still manages to capture our attention. And I think with Ben Stokes winning and team of the year being England cricket and moment of the year and then some amazing other awards which we'll run through as well, we think it was the right decision. I think so. I mean, we'll talk more about this, obviously, on the inaugural Anything But Footy Awards, which are coming up over <laughs> the over the Christmas and New Year period. We're going to be handing out some of our own gongs, and I think, actually, we might attract a, a more substantial and a more glittering audience than the BBC Sports Personality of the Year uh, did tonight in Aberdeen. I thought it was a little bit lacking in some of the big names, I'll be honest with you, and the uh, 
I totally agree with the BBC taking the event to arenas around the country. Uh, but it looked to me tonight, in terms of the big names arriving there, um, that Aberdeen was maybe a little bit of a bridge too far for some. That said, it was very interesting that some of the main cricketers, including the overall winner, Ben Stokes, uh, came back from their tour um, to be there. Owen Morgan was there as well, of course. Um, and clearly, um, English cricket thought this was an event they needed to be at. And clearly, by the fact that they picked up the main awards on the night, they... they uh, were probably totally vindicated in their decision to go as well. I just want to mention, as you did, some of the other awards on the night. Elliot Kipchoge, we speak a lot about athletics. He won the Overseas Sports Personality of the Year, or the World Sports Personality of the Year, as it is now. Um, I completely agree with that one. I can't argue with that. I know that you would throw another, other maybe one or two names in, into the pot there. Um, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods would, would be one. Rafa Nadal would be another one. I think that you would probably put in there if I'm if I'm correct. Um, yep, yep, yep. Uh, I think the the award for Dean Rasher Smith's coach John Blackie was um, fantastic. One of the more emotional moments of the night. Um, Baroness Tani Gray Thompson. You and I spent a little bit of time with her um, recently when we were lucky enough to attend the the National Lottery twenty uh, fifth anniversary celebrations with UK Sport. Um, I'm quite fortunate. I live quite close to Tanny Gray Thompson, so I see her around a little bit. And you know, I think they mentioned on on the on the film they showed about her. Obviously, not just her achievements on the track at successive Paralympics, but the fact she transcended the Paralympic Games, the fact that she's making a difference in the House of Lords, the fact that Jay Jones Hall was on the stage tonight, a, a Commonwealth Games medal winner, who she's coaching. You know, and she's got a, a setup in her garage at home. Uh, in Redcar in Cleveland, um, and she's giving a massive amount back to her sport. But you know, I think you would probably agree. Um, I think only the very hard-hearted would, would not have had a tear in their eye tonight to to see Doddy Weir on that stage in the in the award in the name of Helen Rollison. Yeah, I mean that was a, quite a moment, and I want to talk about Tanny Gray Thompson in a moment as well. But on Doddy, obviously, it's the Helen Rollison Award. It recognises outstanding achievement in the face of adversity. You know, he's a forty-nine-year-old man, and it brings it home to you, doesn't it? When you think, "Wow, that is young." Yeah. Um, in terms of age, he won sixty-one caps for Scotland. A British Lions uh, veteran, of course, in nineteen ninety-seven in South Africa, but diagnosed with motor neurone disease in twenty sixteen and was told by the consultant that he wouldn't walk back in a year later and and I think 3 years is is generally the kind of life expectancy which is which is scary but what an amazing achievement that 3 years on he's standing on the stage with the princess royal next to him and he is giving a speech that he gave and all because he has raised millions and millions of pounds for his charity my name's doddy foundation which is aiming to fund research and and improve the lives of those with motor neurone disease unfortunately it's something that uh, i'm aware of and i know you are michael as well yep. uh, too cl- too close to home frankly and i think you know it's a horrible horrible disease but what Doddy is doing and I I think it was a great um, award because it's kind of opened it up I know it's massive in Scotland and what he's doing there but hopefully now this will 
become more of a British thing as well, and he will continue to to uh, to get that recognition and, and continue his fight against it. He, of course, received an OBE from the Queen for services to rugby and charity in July of this year. But I won't, I, you know, I I will admit that was the most emotional part of the evening for me. I was in absolute tears uh, when he was speaking, particularly about his sons and, and his wife, and you know, his message: make the most of every day. And I think, you know, we are, you know, we do it week in, week out. We talk about sport as though it's life or death. It really isn't at the end of the day. And what he's doing at the moment is, and I think that's what we should recognise and well done for the BBC for picking him as their Helen Rollison Award. Yeah, I completely echo everything you say. I think if I was to add one thing, it would be if there was a best dressed award uh, on the night, then then (laughs) Doddy Weir should get that one as well. That was an outstanding suit that he was wearing. I first, well, obviously I became aware of Doddy, um, as he said, as a rugby player in the 90s for Scotland. Uh, but I first became really aware. I was was at a dinner, an awards dinner, and saw him do an after-dinner speech. Um, this is probably a decade or so ago now. He was absolutely hilarious. It, it was outstanding. It, it was it was proper laugh-out-loud moments. And I think that, that sense of humour um, has shone through. In, yep. in these challenges that he's facing now um, with, with motor neurone disease as well. And I also think, um, looking at the bigger picture with, with the Helen Rollison Award, and you know we talked about Tani Gray-Thompson. She's a former winner of the Helen Rollison Award. The award over the 20 years that it's been given out since Helen Rollison died, I think has changed its focus. It's no longer an award that's given to a disabled sports person for achievements. It's an award now that's given to an inspirational person. So you've got the likes of Bradley Lowry, the young Sunderland fan, who, of course, uh, yeah. you know, raised a lot of money and a lot of awareness um, to the particular challenge, the particular disease that he was facing. I think in the early days, it was an award that that was given out to to disabled sportsmen and women to try and make up for the fact that the shortlist didn't have uh, para sports people on it. And and Tani Gro Thompson changed that and, you know, she was on the shortlist and, and, and was in the top three for the main award. And I think the fact now it is very much an award about inspiration is, is very important. I once put that mm. question to Hannah Cockcroft, actually. I said, you know, if they were to offer you the, the Helen Rollison Award um, as, a, as a para-athlete, as a multiple Paralympian who's won so many medals in, in para-athletics, would you take that? And as I've said so many times before, the narrative has changed with our para-athletes now. You know, they train as hard as anyone else. They are up and, and doing the repetitions, the sessions, exactly the same as the able-bodied athletes. And we need to stop making that that difference between para-athletes and so- able-bodied athletes. It's a really good point. I'd, I'd totally forgotten that that was the case, and I think you make a, a really good point on that. And you're right. And you know, in our, our previous podcasts, in anything but footy, we've talked about who wasn't on the shortlist for Spotty this year, and we've talked about the para swimmers and, and Alice Tay and Hannah Cockcroft and Adam Peaty as a, as a swimmer as well. But tonight was more about celebrating those people yeah. who who were on the list. But I think you're absolutely right this... to point that out. And 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 just on on Tanny. I had the pleasure of working with her a little bit in the build-up to London 2012, 
and you know i kind of took over as the kind of lbc olympic correspondent as as my role was at the time um in the january of 2012 which was a bit late you know some people have been working on this stuff for four or five years in the build-up including tanny including Tani, and she was so welcoming. Her and, and Dame Tessa Jowell, who sadly is no longer with us, of course, but Tani Gray Thompson was so welcoming to her. And, you know, she didn't know who I was, and she didn't need to know who I was, but she made me feel so welcome. And I think, you know, she taught me that the Paralympics was going to be just as important as as the Olympics, as we proved, and it was a game changer. And, you know, she has driven that absolutely. And to, for her to get the Lifetime Achievement Award, I love the way she thanked her family because it was, as you mentioned, we spent some time with her quite recently, and it was one of the things she said, you know, she remembered, all, you know, the, the pride of her mum and dad uh, when she was first selected to, to represent Team GB or, or Para GB as it is now. Um, and, and, and also her daughter as well, you know, and, and the, the relationship that she has with her and, and her husband and allowing her to carry on battling and frankly if you follow dame tanny or baroness tanny on twitter you will know that she battles every day for everyone with the trains for, for everyone yeah but also for the tri- for, for the trains and this is this is something that's really important the train the trains that she gets up and down the country from from the north down to the south are so bad for disabled people still and she will fight that fight and she continues to do that and uh, you know this lifetime achievement thing means more to to me to see her do that for everything that she did as well as the 11 paralympic golds uh, and the six london marathon victories as well before we before we move on i Michael, just want to say this... one more, more, more thing on, yeah. on on tanny's award uh, and i mentioned she'd obviously been in the top three in in the so-called main award in years to come and and one of the main reasons why people remember that is because i think at the time it was probably still staged at at television center um she was awarded i think third place and there wasn't a ramp to get her onto the main stage was there so she had to sort of receive her award if you like sat in the crowd in the audience which isn't as big as as now it's an arena show but to see her there tonight having that ovation, being able to come down that central aisle and to be front and centre and Sir Lee Pearson on the stage, Jay Jones Hall on the stage, Ellie Simmons on the stage, all those other people on the stage tonight to welcome uh, Tanny Gray-Thompson. How far, how far have we come? How far have we needed to come since the time where she got an award and they could get on the stage because there were steps? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've talked a lot about the other winners. I mean, we haven't mentioned particularly Dina Asher-Smith, who, who came third uh, in the overall awards. I wonder whether, Michael, it, it shows maybe that athletics has slightly slipped down the pecking order with, with Lewis Hamilton ahead of her or, you know, the fact that he was six-time world champion uh, in 10 years goes to prove that he should have been second and you know I think we both agree as we've said that Ben Stokes with his 135 unbeaten to win the third Ashes test his part in the Cricket World Cup final he's the cricketer of the year everything that he's battled with uh, on and off the field as well um, you know he has been quite quite a sports personality yeah. of the year so I think I think it is the top three but I wonder just with Dina you know when we think about we mentioned it about Linford winning in when he was a world champion or Sally when she was a world champion um, and Mo Farah in twenty seventeen when he and yeah when they were world champions whether athletics has just slipped down that pecking order slightly. Um, I think on the night Lewis Hamilton came across very very well, um, and I think recent history has shown us as well that there is definitely something as far as the the sports personality of the year audience and the voters are concerned with with people perhaps you know appearing with their family. 
And I know Dina's family were, were front and centre tonight. They were there and they were part of the video they showed about her. Um, but I remember Mo Farah, obviously, when he won in, in 2017. Um, and his family and his kids were there on, yeah. on the sofa. He wasn't at the event. And tonight, Lewis Hamilton, I just thought he spoke really, really well. Um, I think the perception of Lewis Hamilton often is that you know he doesn't he doesn't live in Great Britain, whatever. Uh, he doesn't pay taxes in Great Britain. He's a bit of he a doesn't play- like Stevenage anyway. Yeah, he's a bit of a playboy. But I thought tonight he spoke really well. He talked about Stevenage. He talked about growing up. He talked about the importance yeah. of his family. He talked about the other nominees. And you know, I think we haven't at the time of recording seen the exact breakdown of the votes. Uh, but I thought actually out of everyone that was was speaking on the show tonight, his his interview was probably the best. Um, and as we know, with the general elections and everything recently, um, television and television interviews and, and sound bites and all the rest of it um, can be very important in swinging public opinion. And I thought that Dina was so pleased for her coach, John Blackie, that actually that probably meant more to her that actually winning for herself, you know, she's, she is the fastest British woman in history. She's, you know, he's, he's coached her since the age of eight and she described him as so inspirational. And you could just tell she was so proud that, that John had been recognized and then she gets that third place. As yeah. Well. And so. I, she'll be back on that stage. I'm, I'm pretty convinced, yeah. you know, in the same way that Jessica Ennis Hill was, was a multiple nominee and in the, in the top three, several times, never won the main award. She hadn't been cheated out of a gold medal um, at one of the world championships. I think she probably would have won the main award ahead of Mark Cavendish that year. She got a lifetime achievement award. I think Dina will be will be there or thereabouts. If she repeats her achievements of this year, next year, she's going to be on that stage again, possibly with Adam Peaty and A.N. Other. Who knows? You know, it's going to be a huge year for the Olympics and the Paralympics. And, you know, I just hope um, that those people are recognised. And I think Dina will be again in the future. Rightly said. Anything but footy. This is the Olympic and Paralympic podcast still to come. We'll get the latest on the Russia ban. We'll also find out the latest on the suing of the British Olympic Association from its very own potential athletes. And more as well on a Christmas pre-Christmas tradition. That is to come. But the latest on Russia, and we talked about it in last edition of, of course, uh, Anything But Footy, Russia being banned for four years from the Olympics and Paralympics. And last Monday's ruling looks likely that competitors from Russia will continue to participate in the Olympics, impeded only by the inability to wear their country's uniforms or see their country's flag raised or hear the national anthem. Example, in Pyeongchang at the Winter Olympics, the same ban, in inverted commas, applied and 168 Russians ended up taking part, winning 17 medals. Now, we told you that the UKAD, the anti-doping agency in the UK, backed the ban last week. But Team GB have come out this week with a real strong statement and asked for stronger sanctions. Chairman Sir Hugh Robertson saying, At Pyeongchang, Team GB athletes competed against a Russian team in all but name. This should not happen again. They have shown no contrition or respect for the Olympic movement and its athletes. And it's clear where the Brits stand on it, apart from the UKAD, with former British Paralympian Vicky Ager 
also resigning from the WADA Athlete Committee. So WADA, of course, are the World Anti-Doping Agency, and they are the ones who are recommending this this four-year ban. Now, she said the decision not to push for a blanket ban fills her with disappointment and regret that's shaken her belief in an organisation that doesn't protect clean athletes anymore. That is quite incredible. And she says in 2016, they recommended the Olympic and Paralympic ban. Now, with even more evidence of tampering, again, like we talked about last week, they're giving them less of a sanction. And a quick word as well, we heard from Global Athlete Chief Rob Kohler last week as well, who uh, in, the, in the last edition of Anything But Footy, and he's been writing in the Sunday Times this week, and he's called for a full Russian ban again following that biggest doping scandal and said that WADA really do have the powers to do it, and they really should. The latest information is that Russia will appeal at the Court of Arbitration for Sport, but as Michael said last week, this will run and run and run right up to Tokyo, unfortunately, for the second Olympic Summer Games in a row. What a shame. You can find us online at anythingbutfooty.com. You can tweet us if you want to have your views on this at anythingbutf on Twitter. Email us anythingbutfooty at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. John and I are veterans of numerous Olympic Games, Paralympic Games as well. We've covered world, European and national championships in sports as diverse as gymnastics, judo, uh, cycling, swimming and athletics as well. And this is your weekly update on how Team GB and GB are heading and looking good as far as uh, Tokyo 2020 is concerned. And uh, we're spending quite a bit of time, it has to be said, looking at legal matters at the moment. As John has just said there, with, with Russia, that will go to the Court of Arbitration of Sport. And the British Olympic Association this week have responded to a legal threat by their own athletes, UK athletes, including Sir Mo Farah, Adam Jamili, Laura Muir and other big names. And this is all about the way they have interpreted the IOC Rule 40. Now, Rule 40, uh, we have spoken about this previously, but if this is your first time listening to the podcast, Rule 40 prevents members of Team GB from promoting personal sponsors or commercial partners during games time. That is a very broad definition of the rule. There are obviously more intricate parts to it than that. Now, the BOA have relaxed their viewpoint on this one, and they said basically athletes can can make one kind of mention of personal sponsors or commercial partners as long as they don't use Team GB or Olympic branding in doing that. That is not far enough for some athletes. This week, the BOA, the British Olympic Association, have responded in their words fully and robustly. They say they only learnt of the legal challenge through the media. They've said they have met athlete representatives to continue the dialogue and they're dismayed that despite encouraging conversations between those athlete representatives and the BOA, the legal tactics continue. Now, what Team GB, what the BOA will say and what we have also said in the past is that Team GB, the British Olympic Association, are not funded by you and me. They don't get any handouts from government. They don't get lottery money. They are an organisation that has to raise their money commercially. And they've always said that collective sponsorship, commercial agreements, as a collective, as a whole, is better for Team GB. That would then for therefore protect lesser-known names and the smaller sports. Uh, but the route continues with some of those big names uh, going in to the battle, if you like. Now, I would suggest as we are edging towards Olympic year, another Olympic year 2020, that this is an unhelpful distraction. And I would use the word unhelpful there and put it pretty mildly. The UK is officially the world capital of live sport. 
What a stat that is. We're the only country in the world whose crowds attending sporting events is greater than its population. And we're top of the pile ahead of Australia, the US and Ireland. Always good to be top of the medals table. Uh, The total attendance for professional UK sporting events hit 75.1 million in 2019, the highest on record and up from 74.6 million in 2018. And if you exclude one-off events, we've talked about it already in the pod, the Men's Cricket World Cup, the Netball World Cup and the Solheim Cup all staged here in the UK. The sporting attendance was 74 million, but that's still a 3.4% year-on-year average increase between 2013 and 2019. Now, the people who've been working this out are a a group called Two Circles. They're a data-driven sports marketing agency, and they've told us that two-thirds of that attendance is football-related, but we obviously talk about anything but footy. So they found out in 2019 that live sport contributes £11.8 billion to the UK economy. So we wanted to know, could it get any bigger? And is some of this to do with the legacy from London 2012? Well, we asked Matt Cutler, Head of Communications at Two Circles. One of the things we talk about quite a lot here at Two Circles and with our clients is the the experience economy that we that we live in these days so for anyone who monitors cultural uh, changes and phenomena um one of the big shifts particularly in developed nations is is looking to spend disposable income not on possessions as we you know as our the generation before us might have done you know getting a car getting a uh, all those type of things where you know very very tangible assets people are more inclined to to go for experiences and that could be going to watch a sports match but it also could be going to the theater trying out a new restaurant there's a real shift towards that towards that but sport is uh at least our in our opinion and it comes out in the data that it, it, it's the best live experience um going and that's to do with lots of things you know sports unscripted drama we saw this year in the uk alone the cricket world cup final the ashes wimbledon formula one premier league all the main sports there's so much it takes up so much headlines and there's so much amazing stuff that's happening on the pitch track or court that if you want a live experience sport is is at the top of the pile and it's also sport is opening up to uh to wider audiences it's not just these growth in these growth in attendances in the UK are yes, it's it's more people, more fans coming back more frequently. Um, so you're you're more hardcore sports fans, but there's also this this new uh, experience hungry part of the population who you know we we kind of loosely term the industry as the, the big eventers. They're they're looking to experience something big. They they're going. They're interested in the sport for sure, but they're also they're also interested in the collective experience with their friends or family and. That those two combined, we think there's huge, huge growth uh, to come in the UK, and not just in the UK, but but other other markets. Is there a legacy from London 2012? Um, for sure, we, we we definitely think there is. And uh, I know John, when we were talking about this before, you know, London 2012 gets a lot of criticism for the amount of money that was spent uh, on it. But we, and they they look to inspire. Uh, you know, a generation of people in the UK to to be more engaged with sport. And a lot of time that gets judged by, you know, are more people swimming, are more people playing 
badminton on a real grassroots level. But one thing that we we at Two Circles don't think that London 2012 gets enough credit for is this impact that it's had on, on people going to watch live sport. There's something there around new venues. So London 2012 redeveloped the east end of London and created new homes for the likes of athletics, hockey, swimming. And so these sports now have very you know new venues to be able to attract more people to go go and watch live sport but we also think there was there was a halo effect from from the olympic games where more people are just engaged with sport um and it's being felt it's being felt across the board um and going in parallel with this you know with this growing experience experience economy that that we're that is happening in the uk and michael the interesting thing that matt said there is that there is some real legacy to the £9.3 billion that we spent on London 2012. As he said, athletics, swimming, hockey all have new homes in London. Hockey is also playing at the Stoop next year again. And we just love this whole experience thing in life, don't we? We want to have an experience. And sport, as we've talked about with Sports Personality of the Year in this edition, gives you that experience. Yeah, I'm taken back to an interview that you and I did um, with the chief executive of of British Gymnastics, Jane Allen. Now, this was part of the first season of Great British Bosses. And we've got a second season of Great British Bosses coming up in 2020. But but in season one, we spoke to uh, leaders in sport, including Jane at British Gymnastics. And she said that there is no appetite in Whitehall to mess with sport because when we recorded that interview it was pre-general election um parliament was still in that that mode where everything had kind of got a little bit bunged up if you like with brexit and we didn't really know what was happening and we said with brexit with a potential general election which obviously has now happened on the horizon could, could sport see Um, itself either you know put down the agenda could sports see the funding cut and she said and it was really interesting a really interesting point and I know that when we drove home you and I both talked about it she said the people in Whitehall are clever that that is why they stepped in to host the Commonwealth Games in 2022 that's why Birmingham is a host city for 2022 and the Commonwealth Games Durban couldn't do it England Birmingham Great Britain stepped up for it and she said it will be a unifying force in what has been a really difficult spell of two or three years where the country's been anything but unifying and when she said it it was like a fog cleared in my head of course it will be a unifying time we saw that in London in 2012 we saw it in Glasgow in 2014 we saw it in London again in 2017 at the World Athletics Championships. And when Great Britain, when England, when Scotland, when Northern Ireland, Wales host major sporting events, and you've covered them from Rugby World Cups to Wimbledon, which is an annual event. I've been to the Open. We've both covered Olympics and, and Paralympics. And, and as I said before, World European National Championships. When Great Britain hosts those events, people will come out and watch them. The government will back them. The government agencies, by which I mean UK Sport, will come out and back them. And most importantly of all, people will come out and back them and they will fill stadia. So in 2020, 
Thanks to UK Sport, we've got the Para Powerlifting World Cup in Manchester in February. We've got the European Boxing Olympic Qualification at the Copper Box in London in March. We've got the Gymnastics World Cup in Birmingham uh, in March. We've got the Men's World Curling Championships in Glasgow in March. We've got the Judo Grand Prix in Nottingham in April. The BMX Supercross World Cup in Manchester in April. The Canoe Slalom European Championships at the Lee Valley Park in May. We've got the World Skate Street League Skateboarding Championships at the Copper Box in London in May. And the World Triathlon Series in Leeds in June all before the Women's Euro 2021 football of course and the World Gymnastics in 2022 as well and that is just some of the yeah. events that are, that are coming up and to put you on the spot Michael who was what has been your best experience this year so all those events that we've covered what has been the best experience oh for you? it's between two um and two events I absolutely adore the World Triathlon Series in Leeds, um, yeah. I, I love. Um, I, I think it's fantastic. I love the triathletes. Um, I think they're brilliant, and I think they're wonderful ambassadors for their sport. And the people of Leeds, people of Yorkshire, and people from all over the country and all over the world um, come out for that event, and they lie in the streets from Round Hay Park um, right into the city centre of Leeds. I love that. And I love the Tour de Yorkshire um, for very much... The same reasons. Uh, people do come out um, and it is it is a huge event. When the Tour de Yorkshire comes through your town, your your hamlet, your village, your city, whatever, you know, you, you come out, you, you literally put the bunting out. You know, I, I, I grew up in an era where I've got very, very vague recollections of early royal weddings where there were street parties and bunting <laughs> put out. Um, and, and for all the, you know, Catherine and William and Harry and Meghan and... We didn't have a street party um, for, for their, their royal weddings. But when the Tour de Yorkshire comes through, people do have a street party. Um, and you mentioned some fantastic events coming in 2020. And then you've got the likes of the events that, that happen anyway, things like Diving World Series. You've got, obviously, athletics, the British Championships, which will be the Olympic trials coming to Manchester because Birmingham has yeah, been yeah. sold out. Obviously, within three days of the tickets going on sale, of all the calamitous things going on in the world of athletics over the past six months from a British point of view, the fact that that can still sell out in three days and people still want to come to that event, for me, is absolutely fantastic. They want to go and see Dina Asher-Smith and Katarina Johnson-Thompson and others. And you mentioned two Yorkshire events that are your particular experience. Yeah, we're, we're, not being cli- we're not being slightly biased. We're, we're not being cliched here. You're going to mention one from here. Norfolk now, aren't you? No, I'm going to mention two from London. Okay. So, um, Highgate, the Highgate 10K, I, which I, yeah. you know, I'd never ever been to before. The noise and the Lane Three beer and cheer. Um, I'd highly recommend it to anybody. As and would it, I. you know. Tw- 25 laps of a race just absolutely flew by and you know when you're sitting watching the 10k at home sometimes you go and make a cup of tea you know this this was nothing like that it was an incredible atmosphere and it absolutely poured down as well by the end and we we, we were we weren't that miserable by the end no it was um, brilliant which, it was a brilliant brilliant day great night and then the world para swimming as well again london stepped in um to to you mentioned the Commonwealth Games. London stepped in to host that. The noise in the Aquatic Centre. I do think it is one of those places that w- one of the big things of London 2012 was the noise in the Olympic Stadium, but the Aquatic Centre was just as good as well. And they've because of that kind of um, curved roof, the noise that you get there uh, is is amazing. So the World Power Swimming, I think, were, were were two of those events. So look, you know, 
pat yourselves on the back. If you've been to an event this year, <laughs> then you know you're part of this amazing um, stats that Two Circles have come up with. And thanks to Matt for speaking to us about that. Uh, we're looking forward to the numbers uh, in 2020. And if you haven't yet been to any of those events, then keep it keep it anything but footy. And of course, you will let you know uh, when you can go and, and, and check out the UK Sport website as well, because all the details are on there. If you want to get in touch with us at any time, anything but footy.com. Uh, is our website address and you can click on a link and you can speak directly to us via an email uh, anything but f on twitter um also anything but footy at gmail.com we're on facebook insta and youtube as well we've got plenty of things to wrap up the uh the podcast with starting with paris and the pacific Michael. yeah When is Paris 2024 not Paris 2024? It's when they're hosting the surfing events in Tahiti, 9,800 miles away. A French Polynesian island this week, the organisers of the Paris Olympics have said uh, that Tahiti will be hosting Olympic surfing. Now, we mentioned this in the last episode, but in 1956, equestrian events were held in Stockholm. That was 9,000. 700 miles away from Melbourne, uh, which hosted the bulk of the games. But due to quarantine rules, the equestrian events had to be held in Sweden. So Paris 2024, the situation is now, uh, we'll have to propose the venue to the IOC. They meet in March 2020 to ratify that. Tahiti's beaten off the likes of Biarritz and other uh, venues on the French mainland. And Thomas Bach has previously stated that he would prefer athletes at the heart of the games. I'm not sure how... 9,800 metres, uh, miles rather, uh, from Paris. 9,800 metres wouldn't be too bad. Uh, that'd be closer than the marathons in Tokyo, for example. 9,800 miles from Paris. I'm not sure how that is exactly at the heart of the Games. We'll have to see what happens at that IOC meeting in March 2020. Surfing is on the programme for 2020 uh, and also 2024, but we wait and see uh, whether it's part of the 2028 Games in LA. The Paralympics organisers have confirmed that the marathon events at Tokyo 2020 will remain there and not move to Sapporo like the Olympics, as Michael just mentioned. Five medal events will take place on September 6th, 2020, scheduled to start at 6.30am to beat any heat worries. Rugby Sevens and the Cape Town Sevens have taken place uh, over the last couple of days. England's women lost 26-21 to New Zealand, so they just missed out on a semi-final slot. England's men, they faced the USA in the playoff for the ninth, 10th positions, but they lost 17-12, so they finished 10th. Scotland, who beat England in the group stage, they lost in the quarterfinals to New Zealand. New Zealand went on to beat South Africa. As far as the men was concerned, in the final, uh, New Zealand also won the women's event. The London Horse of the Year show remains one of the pre-Christmas sporting traditions and with a lot of eyes watching ahead of the Olympics next summer as well. Current world leader, British number one and 2012 gold medalist, Olympic gold medalist Ben Mayer and his horse Explosion W will be in action in Olympia this week. They recently won the prestigious Longines Global Champions Tour Super Grand Prix in Prague with the only double clear round over the jumps. Ben, who's 36 years of age, won silver at this year's European Championships as well and he described that victory in Prague as very special 
special and a moment he'll never forget. Eight of the world's top ten show jumpers are lined up to compete. Should be a good one. Also in Olympia, Charlotte Dujardin, the most successful British dressage rider in the history of the sport with golden success in London and Rio, will look to finish the year on a high in the Dressage World Cup after missing out on a medal at the Europeans. And the BBC will be showing over 14 hours of live coverage on BBC Two and on their online platforms, including the red button. So well worth a watch. And if Santa Claus is listening, Mike Tucker, the late BBC equestrian commentator, his book Man on the Mic is on my Christmas list for this year. So, you know, if the elves and Santa listening in Lapland in the North Pole at the minute are uh, (laughs) listening into anything but footy. That's what I'd like to see in my stocking this year. And let's move on to sailing, the Finn Gold Cup, the last major event of the sailing calendar, the last big regatta of the year. We'll see Olympic champion Giles Scott back in World Cup action next week in Melbourne. It's the first world championship he's competed in during this cycle, the cycle since Rio. He's been working with Sir Ben Ainsley in the meantime and the UK Ineos Americas Cup Challenge. He has, though, spent the last month or so back training in Europe in the Finn. And British Sailing are also on the lookout for sailors and boat owners interested in the new double-handed mixed offshore event that will debut in Paris in 2024. So they are literally putting this out there to you, potentially to take part in the Olympic Games. Uh, They're looking for motivated and experienced sailors, uh, which cancels both John and I out, or they're (laughs) looking for people who can loan or charter their boat, which cancels John and I out. Tiger Woods capped off a great 2019 as the USA came from behind to beat the rest of the world in the President's Cup, a golfing competition like the Ryder and Solheim. Uh, The 43-year-old was controversially for some captaining and playing in the US team, but they came from behind to win 16-14 in Melbourne, with Tiger becoming the first playing captain on the winning team to earn a full point in every match since Great Britain captain Diaries in the 1957 Ryder Cup. A former BBC Sports Personality of the Year winner, I think, Diaries, if, if memory serves, which is where we started our Anything But Footy podcast. We're going to end it with snowboarding. And congratulations to Zoe Atkin, who won her first ever World Cup medal in the half-pipe final in Colorado. She won her gold medal in the freestyle skiing event after scoring 87.75 in her first run. She is just 16 years of age, and it just goes to show that Great Britain is going the right way in its ambition to become one of the globe's top snow sport nations. Well, Ben Stokes was crowned Sports Personality of the Year. Well done to him. But one of the things we wanted to do when we set up Anything But Footy was recognise the brilliance of our British sportsmen and women and those from around the world who compete week in and week out and only get attention once a year or every Olympics or Paralympics. So well done to you if you're one of them or a fan of them or you're just a fan of our podcast. We'll keep you on track to Tokyo 2020. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.